This program is brought to you by Stitcher Smart Radio. Download their free mobile app and use the promo code BEST during activation for a chance to win $100. Now welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Jimmy Dore Show, The Young Turks, Media Matters, On the Media, The Onion Radio News, Counterspin, The Colbert Report, and Dan Savage with a bonus video clip for our Apple iOS and Android app users from The Colbert Report. And this episode does contain a bit of vulgar language. Okay, now uh, we're going to talk about net neutrality is in the news. They, uh, the FCC just issued a ruling that was kind of lukewarm. It kind of protected some of the ne- uh, Internet, and it didn't protect uh, others. Like if you, the Internet you use on your phone, not protected. Mm. And that, everywhere, as everyone knows, that's where the real Internet is, okay? So if, if you, let me just explain what net neutrality is to people, okay? Net neutrality is when you go on the Internet and you want to go to Facebook or you go to YouTube or you want to go to JimmyDoreComedy.com. As we do. All do as often. we all do to watch some videos of me being hilarious you go there if you go there, now each page lo- each page loads at the same time it all comes up at the same time i can get to each page with it it's it, it's like a it's like a telephone call it's the same rate for everybody and no matter if i'm the president of at&t or if i'm a regular person we all get the same access that sounds a little disgustingly democratic jimmy it's i hope what? there's something out there that's going to put an end to that <laughs> Well, they have. They have a new thing. It's called tiered billing. So if you pay Thank more, God. if you pay more money to your internet service provider, say Comcast or Charter, what they'll do is they'll they'll, they'll make uh, all your web pages come up quicker. You can go to certain things, or like if you pay them more money and you have a web page, uh, now they'll make your web page load quicker. And if you pay them more money, so now no, it's, no, no, no. It's, it, 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 it'll load at the the rate it loads now. Right. Okay. And and when this tiered system comes in, your pages, if you don't pay that premium, yeah. will load slow. That's what I mean. Yes. So, yes, that's what I, I I wasn't being clear, but thank you. And so they're paying more money for the same or worse service. Yes, that's what oh, that's what's so going to happen. And by is the there way, a problem? <laughs> it's reciprocal because also uh, the providers, such as let's say Netflix, are going to have to pay more as well. Yeah. So every we're going uh, people are getting rogered on both ends. Just, right. So just, just be clear. For, yes. So there was already a thing that happened with Netflix, right? And uh, from what I understand, was it is it Comcast who uh, has their own service that's kind of like Netflix? So what happened was they were starting to charge people extra money to watch streaming video through their Netflix, right? And uh, the, and Comcast also offers a service that's free. That it was it. Mm. was going to be free. So you could watch their streaming stuff for free. So that was. Uh, did, did anybody really think that the oligarchs were going to leave the internet un, untouched? If you really want to know how oligarchy stifles innovation, watch the Spanish sitcom. <laughs> that, that is where we are headed with the internet. No me gusta. Yeah, oh, a guy, brilliant. a guy dressed like a bumblebee, uh, <laughs> riding in a, a bathtub. Yeah, around uh, really a, a donkey, sc- scantily clad women. <laughs> that, oh, you know what? It doesn't sound I, bad. I, I have a question: is, is there anything in the net neutrality bill that will make MySpace less sad? <laughs> <laughs> People still use MySpace. I, Whenever I get a message from somebody that I know, on my, I think really, I, wouldn't CB Radio be more dignified? <laughs> People, they, they split that bill in the worst possible way. Though. The net neutrality. Yeah, because what happened was was FCC didn't want to touch it, regulating the internet for a long time, and then when they came in, they regulated it, but they regulated it wrong. Like it, I mean, the FCC still doesn't touch cable. They and they can. 
but they've they've stayed hands off, and so all the problems with you getting your cable come from the fact that it's not regulated properly. It's not regulated at all. So what the FCC did was they came in. They're going to regulate it, but they're going to regulate it badly. Yes, they're re regulating it horribly, and they're not going to regulate. Uh, like broadband, I mean, you know, wireless. Like, so if you get your internet wirelessly, uh, you're you're not gonna be able. You're, they're gonna be able to screw you over, basically. I hope they can moment. let Robert Rubin regulate it because he <laughs> he's a good he has a good sense. Or how about Larry Summers? And you know, the the important thing. Somebody to, from an Ivy League school, the, please. <laughs> the important thing to remember here is that the people who are against net neutrality are dummies. Um, <laughs> unless you own one of these t big corporations that are going to provide a people with ser internet service, it's going to be a lose for everybody. Um, and I went over to this. There's a. I'm of course I said I'm a friend with a conservative there, there, website. There, there's one person who it would not be a lose for is somebody with embarrassing video of themselves. <laughs> that's the only person that would right. win in this. That's right. Fewer people would be able to see it. The ringleader is Rush Limbaugh. So let's go to his stack of lie on top of lie on this issue. Go to uh, clip number seven. To give the FCC power to prevent broadband providers from selectively blocking web traffic. And that's, that's just a ruse. This net no, neutrality is not what this is really all about. This is, um, this is about the feds wanting to, wanting to, to, to uh, control the Internet just as they control the public airwaves. How do they they want to be that? able to determine who gets to say what, where, how often. They want to be able to determine what webs or what search services are providing what answers to your queries. It's total government control of the Internet, and the regime has just awarded it to itself. The only problem here appears to be too much freedom, at least in the minds of the government. Too much freedom on the Internet in the minds of Obama and his FCC people. All you really have to know about net neutrality is that its biggest promoters are George Soros and Google. Oh, that's it, yeah. And MoveOn.org, oh Move which is heavily funded by Mr. Soros and Google. It is, it's also promoted by a, a, a number of other radical left Soros fronts. What, what, we're, what we're doing here that's is neutering the Internet. It's another gleaming aspect of free speech free market private industry Obama has decided to take over as a Christmas present to himself and the Democrat National Committee and to Mr. Soros I'm trying not to curse on the show it's hard <laughs> alright uh, I'm gonna stick with what it, you know with I'm gonna leave the adjective out he's a I can't, I can't do it he's a f liar okay <laughs> Every part of that was untrue. And you, but here's going to be the great irony of this. And I'm going to love seeing him squeal. Because it's, my guess is it'll happen one day. Okay? Because corporations aren't actually 
Republican or Democrat, conservative or liberal. They're amoral machines. They're profit-making machines, right? So one day he's going to get caught up in that spoke of that machine, okay? And and for whatever reason, I'm guessing Verizon, AT, Comcast, whoever is going to decide, hey, you know what? I'm going to charge Rush Limbaugh a little bit more. Maybe they don't let him. Who knows? Maybe one day there's a liberal in charge of one of these companies. Who knows? I don't know. For whatever reason, or they decide they're going to squeeze it for more profits, right? And they're going to go to Rush and they go, oh, yeah, remember when you were against net neutrality? Fucking sucker. Now you owe us more, you fat bitch. Can't do it. Totally failed it, controlling myself from cursing. But they're going to squeeze him. You go, what? Oh, no, but oh, but you told me I was a good corporate butt boy. You, I'd be on your side. Why? No, don't. Yeah, because once you give them power, man, they can charge your website. They can charge our website. They can charge any damn website they like with either more money or they slow us down and in effect crush us. You just gave them that power. And I can't wait till they use it against you. This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Jess Levin. As speculation spreads over who will replace Glenn Beck, Fox Business host Eric Bowling is adding race baiting to his audition reel. Friday night, he discussed Obama's meeting with the president of Gabon and said this. Mr. Obama shares a laugh with one of Africa's kleptocrats. It's not the first time he's had a hoodlum in the, his house. Our president sitting with one of Africa's most wanted. It's not the first time he's had a hood in the big crib. So what's with all the hoods in the hizzy? A month after the White House hosted the rapper Common, who glorifies violence on cops, the president opened his doors to one of Africa's most evil dictators. Here is Ali Bongo, the Gabonese president who's been accused of human rights violations and plundering billions. What could an American rapper from Chicago possibly have in common with the leader of an African nation? I'm Bob Garfield, and all I've got is net neutrality. The Federal Communications approved the first regulations covering high-speed Internet access in a vote today. The Federal Communications Commission today approved a controversial new policy it says will provide all users equal access to the Internet. Republican lawmakers vowing to fight what they are calling a job killer today. In an effort to keep access to the Internet equally open to all comers without stifling economic opportunity and innovation, the Federal Communications Commission issued a rule this week mandating more transparency from Internet service providers and limiting their ability to give preferential treatment to the biggest players, at least on wired connections. But the rule was immediately lambasted by critics on the left, who say the regulation is too weak, and also by critics on the right, who believe the government's intervention is heavy-handed and burdensome to the private sector. Reporter Amy Schatz, who covers the FCC for the Wall Street Journal, has broken down the stakes of the debate, which she believes is far from over. The idea of net neutrality is that all legal Internet traffic should be able to be accessed by consumers without anybody getting in the way of blocking or slowing what you look at. So give me an example of what Internet service providers could do that would be deemed not neutral. 
a couple years ago, Comcast Corp actually was deliberately slowing some of its subscribers' traffic because there were some subscribers who were downloading a lot of video files off these file-sharing networks. And Comcast found that it was slowing down other users' traffic. And so they uh, didn't tell anybody, but they basically slowed some users' traffic down. And when people found out about it, they got really upset because Comcast had never told them they were going to do that. That was an example where the FCC actually tried to step in and stop that sort of thing. And they didn't have a lot of luck, although Comcast eventually stopped doing it anyway. Yeah, we'll get back to the why they didn't have a lot of luck in a moment. So one of the new rules mandates that companies who do throttle users, that is speed up and slow down traffic for traffic management purposes, be transparent about it. How does that work? Internet companies are actually going to have to tell you what kind of internet speed you're getting uh, because right now they'll, they'll tell you the advertised speed, and that could be uh, – slightly to greatly different than what you're getting at home. And another thing they're going to have to do is actually tell you if there are any usage caps. So if you're getting close to the amounts that you're supposed to be using every month, they're going to have to tell you, and they're going to have to tell you what those, those limits are. And, and right now, most consumers have no idea how much they're using every month or if there even is a cap. What about the notion of charging consumers more for a faster Internet than for a slower one? It's never really been about how much they could charge consumers on this. It's really about if they could charge other companies to deliver services faster to subscribers. So if, let's say, uh, Netflix wanted to make sure that it could get its services to you, a Comcast subscriber, Netflix right now couldn't really pay extra to make sure that they got their services to you faster. But in the future, under these new rules, they might be able to. And that's one of the great fears, the idea that deep-pocketed large companies will be able to afford the HOV lanes, you know, the toll lanes, and the vast majority of others on the Internet will have to settle for the heavy traffic. That's exactly what folks have been worrying for years about this, because they don't want to create a sort of have-and-have-not system on the Internet. You know, the FCC is saying today that they don't necessarily want to see that as a future for the Internet, but these rules certainly open the door to that. It particularly opens the door to that on mobile devices, uh, your smartphone and your iPad. Why has the FCC opened the opportunity for wireless providers to be more aggressive in traffic management than the ISPs who are giving us our home broadband service, for example? Wireless providers have been arguing that their networks are simply different than the network that you get in your house through a cord because there's less airways out there for them to use and they have a lot more congestion on their networks than you might have on your connection coming through Comcast or some other cable provider. So they successfully lobbied the FCC and said, look, you know, we don't have as much space and we have to do a lot more aggressive management of all the data that's going across our network because we want to make sure people can still get phone calls and we need to manage a much more scarce resource than people who are offering wired broadband. So the rules that were approved Tuesday by the FCC basically set different standards for wireless broadband than it does for wireline. You can't block an Internet site, but you could certainly block some sort of software application on a wireless network in a way that you couldn't do on a wireline. So this rulemaking was passed three to two. The three Democrats voted yay. The two Republicans voted nay. The Republicans complain that by imposing regulation, it's going to restrict companies from from achieving the glories of the marketplace and, and it will suppress entrepreneurism and so forth. The Democrats fear that too much leverage has been given to these gigantic Internet service providers. 
And yet, the telcos themselves, AT&T, Verizon, Comcast, they aren't griping much. If they're happy, I think I should be nervous. Why are they happy? Should I be nervous? They're happy because they thought it could be a heck of a lot worse. They're not, you know, jumping up and down and opening champagne course or anything, but they're, they're not unhappy. Because basically, one of the things they really wanted was to make sure that the rules that applied to wireless were different and less stringent than the rules that applied to your home wireline broadband connection. And they got that. You mentioned that the FCC's attempt to slap down Comcast a couple years ago wound up failing because there's a question as to whether the Federal Communications Commission really has the rulemaking authority required to make all of this stuff stick. Can the FCC at long last regulate the Internet? Congress has never given the FCC authority to play Internet traffic cop. So what they've been trying to do is take these rules that were written a long time ago for your old phone network and sort of cobble them together and come up with some way to apply them to these new networks. You know, it hasn't worked out super well for them in the past, and, and they're, they're going to take another shot at it. Because the courts ruled against them in the Comcast case. They said they, they lacked the authority. That's exactly. They said, good try, but n- no luck. So uh, they're going to try again. One way or another, this is apt to be settled in the courts? Most likely. All right, Amy, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Amy Schatz covers the FCC for the Wall Street Journal. There's never been a better time to check out Stitcher for your mobile device. When you activate their free app using the promo code BEST, you'll get instant access to thousands of podcasts streamed directly to you without syncing. You'll be entered automatically to win $100, and you'll help support Best of the Left at no cost to you. No reason not to check it out, so head to your preferred app market and download the free Stitcher app just named the best app ever for your iPhone, Android, BlackBerry, or Pre, and be sure to use the promo code BEST during activation. A sleazy website will link to anything. It's the Onion Radio News. This is Doyle Redland reporting. Outraged webmasters say Travelman.com will link to any site that will look its way. Blogger Mike Rodriguez has watched the site spread its link folder wide open to any hypertext action that crosses its path and leads to domains that would disgust most Internet users. Who lets 401kcasino.com link to your website? I'll tell you who, Travelman.com. After spending several hours examining Travelman's link to ChickenDP.com, this reporter can only agree that something should be done. Doyle Redland for The Onion. If this attempt at regulation is indeed headed for the courts, the central issue will be the FCC's statutory authority to regulate the Internet. 
This week's action is based on Title I of the Telecommunications Act governing information services, as was the 2008 Comcast decision that was nullified in a federal appeals court earlier this year. Net neutrality advocates were hoping the commission would declare Internet access a telecommunication service, which would fall under Title II of the Act one which more clearly empowers FCC rulemaking. But wireless providers lobbied hard against such a move, which they fear would give the agency too much power. Democratic Commissioner Michael Copps voted with Chairman Julius Janikowski on Tuesday, but not without deep reservations about the legal underpinnings of the new rule. Commissioner, welcome back to the show. I'm glad to be back. Well, you voted for this rule with not much enthusiasm, it would appear. Let's start with what you like about it. Well, what I like about it is that we've gone on record in favor of an open Internet. We've taken some positive steps. Our goal is to make sure that consumers in the future will be able to control their online experiences to the maximum extent possible rather than having a big telco or cable company control those experiences. Tell me what your reservations were with the rule as passed. Well, I'd like to go farther faster. This has been pending for a long period of time. Telecommunications has generally been treated uh, as under Title II jurisdiction, and there are consumer protections and privacy and other things like that uh, built in. What two previous commissions did between uh, 2001 and 2009 was to wrench broadband and advanced telecommunications out of Title II, and they put it over in something called Title I, where the authority is not nearly so clear, and that's why we took a beating in court on the Comcast decision uh, earlier on. What makes you think that you won't take a similar beating with this rule? Isn't that very Comcast decision, which is currently in the appeals courts, apt to render irrelevant this rule and everything attached to it? You're going to go to court no matter what you do around here. I've been at this place for 10 years now, and anything that we do just about ends up with somebody dragging you into court to to contest it. That was one of my reservations with regard to uh, the rule that we did, which is based on Title One. But I think uh, the legal foundation, the superstructure, is clearer under Title Two than Title One. I think the courts would be more inclined to go along with it. So that was one of my reservations yesterday, and there were some others. And one of the biggest, of course, is I was looking for more in the way of parity between wireless and wireline, or between fixed uh, and mobile, however you want to differentiate that. Yeah, let me ask you about that, Commissioner. The telcos are going to be given a lot more latitude to throttle traffic, to block certain applications and so forth on wireless, where they say most of the traffic is moving anyway. Is there any practical consumer benefit if wireless isn't more strictly regulated? I understand that uh, there may be some differences in managing and administering that right now, but the principle has to be loud and fast and clear. Eventually, we have to make sure, and I hope that eventually is sooner rather than later, that there is parity between wireline and wireless. Consumers have a right to expect their experience on wireless to come with the same kind of protections as the experience on wireline. Why can't we trust the market to take care of itself to provide the kinds of consumer benefits we all wish to see? 
The private sector is always the lead locomotive. It's always the engine that gets things done. It's where the creativity comes from. But we build best when there's some public-private partnership. And you can go back to the early history when our infrastructure need at that time was to uh, have bridges and turnpikes and roads and canals. We did all that together. We've got electricity out to everybody that way, even plain old telephone service. The aberration was the eight years between 2001 and 2009 when we became somehow captured with this uh, unhistorical aberration that the market could do all of this by itself and let's forget public policy altogether. And as a result of that, we're 15 or 20th or something like that in the world with regard to getting broadband out to all of our citizens. We're falling behind, and this is an opportunity-creating technology that is the central infrastructure challenge of the early part of the 21st century. We need to get serious about it, and we have not been serious about it until the last year or so. Commissioner, thank you so much. I enjoyed talking to you. Commissioner Michael Copps is a Democratic member of the Federal Communications Commission. My head is a box filled with nothing, and that's the way I like it. My garden's a secret compartment, and that's the way I like it, and that's the way I like it. Your body's a dream that turns violent, and that's the way I like it. That's the way I like it The winter is long in the city And that's the way I like it So please, baby, please Open your heart Catch my disease The Obama administration is asking uh, according to the New York Times reporting it today, social network sites, uh, Blackberries, and other outlets that are connected or wi uh, to the Internet or wireless uh, for an easier way to tap them. Okay? So they're saying, hey, sometimes you scramble the messages so well that the government can't snoop in on it, right? So Skype or Facebook or your Blackberry, can you unscramble them for us, the United States government, because we'd like to be able to tap those phones, tap those Blackberries, tap the Skypes, okay? Because we got people communicating in a way that we cannot track there and we can't have it. The government needs to be everywhere. Uh, now, the thing is, understand that, that actually there's a degree of sense there, okay? Because sometimes the government does need to follow. It might be a murder case, it might be a terrorism case, it might be a rape case, it might be anything, right? And the evidence is in those things. Now, if you get a court order, like we've done for centuries here, and then you go and the government investigates a crime based on uh, reasonable suspicion, right, probable cause, etc., then okay, that's the way the system's supposed to work, and I don't actually have that much of a problem with it, even if it means going into Skypes and Blackberries and Facebook, etc., right? But the problem is, as we've seen over the last 10 years, that's not how it works. They abuse the system. The minute they can spy on something, they don't bother to get a court order, they just spy on it, right? Now, that we're assured by the FBI, FBI lawyer Valerie Caproni said, we're talking about lawfully authorized intercepts here. I remember somebody else saying something about that, about how when you get a wiretap, what was it, Dave? Let me see it. Now, by the way, anytime you hear the United States government talking about wiretap, it requires, a wiretap requires a court order. 
Nothing has changed, by the way. When we're talking about chasing down terrorists, we're talking about getting a court order before we do so. Except that they didn't. They didn't get any court orders. And then they came out later when the New York Times broke that story and said, yeah, yeah, take this, here's my court order for you. Here's my court order for you, right? Bush said, oh, yeah, yeah, everything changed. He just came out and said, oh, no, no. And he knew it at the time. They were doing the warrantless wiretapping when Bush made that comment, right? And that's proven in the record. So then he came out and said, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Fourth Amendment, what name so? We got rid of that. We don't need any court orders for wiretaps. And that is what Obama, by the way, continues to do to this day. He does the same exact thing Bush does. And now he's saying, no, 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 don't worry, trust us. Let's look into your, you know, Skypes and let's look into your internet. Let's check whatever sites you're going to. Let's check your emails, whatever else we need to snoop in on. But don't worry, we'll probably get a court order even though we don't have to because we just shredded the Fourth Amendment. And Obama agrees with Bush. But don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> I think I have a friend who has a message on that. Hell no! Okay, can you play with my Facebook or with my Blackberry or my iPhone? Cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot coach with them. Can't do it. Can't do it. I hope you enjoyed this show, but also consider it a valuable tool for not only aggregating, but more importantly, amplifying our view of progressive politics in the world. So if that's true, I ask you to support this work by becoming a member of the show at whatever level you're able, as anything from a basic leftist up through the ranks of socialist, communist, Satanist, or even the most reviled level of support, George Soros. I produce 11 episodes a month of fearless coverage on all the hot-button issues we face, maintaining a rock-solid schedule. So if that sounds worth supporting, please consider signing up to donate as little as 5 $5 a month or even $55 a year. Members also gain access to bonus audio and video content that doesn't make it into the show itself. So for a concrete way to support a strong progressive voice, please visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Net neutrality is the idea that internet service providers should allow users open access to roam around the internet as they see fit without fast lanes created for some websites or a walled-off internet tailored to the business interests of the provider. Many advocates of net neutrality were disappointed by the FCC's proposed rules that were announced in late December, which would exempt wireless internet from such requirements. Critics also contend the rules are vague and full of potential loopholes. One equally troubling aspect of net neutrality coverage has been the campaign by the right to wildly misrepresent this policy idea as some sort of nefarious government takeover of the free internet. Consider a recent Rasmussen poll that was all over the right-wing websites. The headline finding on the Huffington Post was, quote, only 21% of U.S. voters support net neutrality, close quote. Dig a little deeper, though, and you realize the poll is a fraud. The question they asked was this, should the Federal Communications Commission regulate the Internet like it does radio and television? 
Now, maybe that's an interesting idea on some level, but it has nothing at all to do with net neutrality, which would not, under any circumstances, resemble TV or radio regulation, which involves government licensing to operate on the public airwaves. Rasmussen is a favorite at Fox News Channel, and it's not hard to see why, given his ability to gin up bogus polling to serve a right-wing agenda. This is the Media Management Minute. I'm Danny Herrera. You might remember the racially tinged remarks made by Fox Business host Eric Bolin last week. Mr. Obama shares a laugh with one of Africa's kleptocrats. It's not the first time he's had a hoodlum in the, his house. Our president sitting with one of Africa's most wanted. It's not the first time he's had a hood in the big crib. Here's his supposed apology on Monday night. One editorial note, on Friday we did a story about the president meeting with the president of Gabon. We got a little fast and loose with the language and we know it's been interpreted as being disrespectful and for that I'm sorry we did go a bit too far. More Follow the Money coming up in just a minute. There are several reasons why we think the apology wasn't sincere, mainly because Bowling remained defiant over the weekend on Twitter. It wasn't until he came into work on Monday that he had the sudden change of heart. Obama says at his press conference, um, if I believe in something strongly, I stay on it. I know, I know, you're a tough guy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Like, he's so, he's so transparent. You, like, because he took so much heat for, like, buckling and capitulating, and not just on uh, the tax compromise, but on net neutrality, etc., so what did I tell you? He's going to come out and huff and puff, right? And this is him huffing and puffing. Oh, I'll tell you what. If I believe in something, I stay strong. Oh, do you? That's interesting because you just buckled on net neutrality. Uh, hey, JR, do you? I wonder if we have a clip of President Obama while he was campaigning. Well, maybe he was saying we should give an AT&T and Comcast and, and not do net neutrality back then. Let's be fair. Let's find out. To seize this moment, we have to ensure free and full exchange of information. And that starts with an open internet. Oh. I will take Yeah. Oh. I will take a back seat to no one in Wrong. my commitment to network neutrality. Wrong again, because Bob. Once providers start to privilege some applications or websites over others, then the smaller voices get squeezed out and we all lose. And the internet is perhaps the most open network in history and we have to keep it that way. Except he just allowed his FCC to do the opposite. So all that talk about, oh, net neutrality, oh, I'm, no one is more committed to it than I am, except for when I'm not, when I'm actually president. So you can run and tell that. You're not going to add the second part? <laughs> I think I got it. Oh, boy. Is that allowed? <laughs> all right. So, uh... It, it, he went back on his word, right? The, uh, net, the net neutrality decision by the FCC is, you know, for landlines, you kind of mostly with some loopholes have net neutrality, but for wireless you don't. And they can decide to charge you whatever they want, or they can slow down your website and really crush you on the Internet. It's a disastrous decision. Now, of course, the Republicans, since they live on another planet, are criticizing it from the other direction, say, calling it a government takeover. 
let's let let's listen to Mitch McConnell first. The Obama administration, which has already nationalized health care, the auto industry, insurance companies, banks, and student loans, will move forward with what could be the first step in controlling how Americans use the Internet by establishing federal regulations on its use. The Internet is an invaluable resource. It should be left alone. As Americans become more aware of what's happening here, I suspect many will be alarmed, as I am, at the government's intrusion. They'll wonder, as many already do, if this is a Trojan horse for further meddling by the government. <laughs> JR pointed out before the show that he keeps looking down and reading his notes. I would be shocked if that weren't written by a Verizon or AT&T lobbyist. That speech for him. What it does is it turns the truth exactly on its head. So net neutrality would mean that the government or businesses cannot meddle with the Internet. They can't say, all right, these websites are privileged, these are not. Or they could not pick winners and losers. They could not create monopolies, right? So what happened was, now there's no net neutrality for wireless. That allows big corporations to say, hey, I, my website's going to work better than your website. Or I'm going to charge your website more than I'm charging my own website, etc., right? It's the exact opposite of what Mitch McConnell just told you. Now, why is he telling you that? Because they all get paid by the same guys. Look, this talking point, uh, Rush Limbaugh has said it, Glenn Beck has said it, Jim DeMint said it allows unelected, unaccountable Democrat FCC commissioners to take over the Internet. Nope. It's the, all right, you got it. Exact opposite. Yet another government takeover, he says. Uh, K Senator K. Bailey Hutchinson, Hutchinson, Republican of Texas, says, we're starting to see the FCC say you have to come to us to get permission to manage your own website flat-out lie. Not, not, oh, miscommunication, not this, not that. Lie. Not remotely true, okay? Now, where did they get this talking point about a government takeover of the Internet? It was originated at Americans for Prosperity, a conservative think tank that gets its money from corporate donations. Funny how that turns out, that somehow all these Republicans doing the bidding of their corporate sponsors who actually do want to get rid of freedom on the internet, they do want to meddle, they do want to have them be the gatekeepers, and if anybody's going to meddle with their, your website, it's them. So they take a rule that would have prevented that, they win on it, and then they rub it in your face anyway, and they say, oh no, Democrats doing government takeover. Oh, on landlines, oh, you're going to be able to do anything you want on the internet, that's terrible. I mean, I mean the exact opposite, the government is meddling with your website. They're the world's biggest liars, man. If you believe the Republicans, see, it's not a matter of dispute. This is not a political opinion. Here, they're flat out lying, okay? You can look it up for yourself. You can find out what net neutrality is all about. They're lying, okay? And if you believe that, you're a sucker. And one day, you're going to be blogging on your own and go, oh, wait, what happened? Oh, my God, Verizon's charging me all this money. Well, I thought that it was the government that was going to interfere with my Internet. That's what Mitch McConnell and Rush Limbaugh told me. No, you schmuck. They ha you've been had. You've been took. And you did it by voting for these clowns.
As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. All this pain begins to feel like pleasure with my tears. make a an elderly woman destroys the Internet. This is the Onion Radio News, sponsored by Grand Marnier's Grand Moments Contest. This is Doyle Redland reporting. 82-year-old Hazel Phipps inadvertently set off a chain reaction today on her new Dell XPS computer, leaving the World Wide Web in ruins. The retired secretary had been attempting to download pictures of her grandchildren when she hit a key combination that caused servers around the world to overheat and catch fire. Internet expert Miles Woodruff. No one with any inkling of what they're doing would, would hit those keys. I still can't believe this is happening. After a thorough investigation, it was determined that Phipps had committed no actual crime, but as a precaution, her computer has been unplugged and moved to a spare room in the attic. Doyle Redland for The Onion, Radio News. This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Bradley Herring. Now that Glenn Beck is leaving his Fox News show, do you think Media Matters won't have much to do? Well, think again. We present Master Race Baiter, Rush Limbaugh. If the troops are thus not paid by their commander-in-chief, are they his slaves? What would you call it? Can those serving in the military just walk off the job? I don't think so. So if, um, if Obama does not sign the bill to pay his troops then it sounds sort of like forced labor to me. I mean, it's one thing, folks, we can all agree on this. It's one thing to have to pick cotton. And if these guys expect these troops to stay on the job, it sure sounds like Obama has more in common with President Jefferson Davis than he does with President Lincoln. MSNBC and now Current TV. I'll interview him quick before he's on Animal Planet. Please welcome Keith Oberman! Good to see you again, Keith. Good to see you, Congressman. Thank you. <laughs> Sir, welcome back. Thank you kindly. To television. Yeah. The cameras are the big things. I know. All right, speak slowly and clearly into the mic. I've missed it so much. Is this your first appearance on television? No, I was on somebody else's show. Let's say that this yeah. is your first this appearance first on television. On meaningful television. Hey, absolutely. Uh, there you go. Now, sir, uh, let's just see if you still 
got it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because you tried to take it from me. I remember that mm -hmm. after the last. Oh, I, somebody took it from you. Oh. All right. Let's see. Let's see if you still got it, my friend. Yes. How many days since Bush declared mission accomplished? A lot. 2,968. Wait a minute. I'm ashamed of Well, I don't have to use it till Monday, so. How long since you've been on the air? Since I have been on the air or yeah. since I haven't been on the air? How long since you've been on the air, since the last time you've been on the air? Oh, January 21st was the last How time. How many days, Keith? All right, that's right. <laughs> Let's see, that's nine in January. And there's 135. Wow, that's all. And I've enjoyed every one of them, as you can tell. Now, what, what have you been doing with yourself? Uh, the worst possible thing one can do in that period of time, I've been an executive. I've been in charge of setting up the new show. And oh, I'm you're, getting, a, you're, I'm, a, you're I'm a suit a, now. I'm a suit now wearing the jeans. Well, yeah, yeah. So well, you did the Robert Redford thing, a yeah, tie and jeans. Exactly. Well, somebody had to wear some pants. Has it been... <laughs> It's very cooling and refreshing. Yes, I'm sure. Now, We're sir, has it been painful in yeah. this last 145 days to live with the knowledge that Bill O'Reilly won? <laughs> <laughs> because O'Reilly stayed on the air yeah. and you went off the air. And so, yeah. I mean... Let's face it, you guys were in a feud and he jacked you so hard you landed in current TV. Mm -hmm. Well, he's responsible in large part for my promotion and my raise. So, yes, I think that you, you, you want to give him the, the victory, go right ahead. I I'll, do. I'm, listen, I'll, you're I'll, back. You're coming back. I'll, you're the comeback kid. I'll take but the promotion. But that implies you lost. Mm. Are you man enough to say O'Reilly won? No, of course not. <laughs> You left not. the playing field. You forfeited. Oh, okay. No, I'm, I'm not. Do you understand no. sports? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> not really, no, obviously. That's why I left sports. So tell me, tell me about current TV. Yes. Is it dedicated to electricity or is it about tiny raisins? It's, uh... <laughs> It is more, yeah, more it, we do a lot of, a whole series on, on Tesla, uh, okay. in fact, and the band is on the air too, they have their own series. That'd be fantastic. And we do then, there's a, a whole ACDC uh, uh, theme throughout the day. Have you missed being on television? Because there have been huge stories over the last 145 days. Like, like, like what? I don't know. Uh, just something. <laughs> some, uh, I mean, we're at war with another country in the last 40, 145 days. Would you, have you missed reporting on that? No, we're always, unfortunately, we're always at war with another country, aren't we? Mm -hmm. um, the, the, seriously, I, I... No? I know. Okay. Have you missed being on TV? Not particularly. It's nice. You don't have to shave every day when you're not on TV. <laughs> if I didn't think I was going to be back on TV, eventually I'm sure I would have missed it. But there's, there's always another Anthony Weiner coming down the line here. There's always another story. The only thing that actually ended in the last 145 days was Bin, Laden, Bin Laden's heartbeat. I mean, if everything else, there'd be another version of it coming up. That was a big story. It was a big story. A big story. You didn't get to cover it. No, but I'm sure there'll be other big stories in the future. What, when you start your new show, which is Monday, by the way. It is. And current TV is what channel in every city? <laughs> Well, we're 103 here in Manhattan. Okay. And, uh, 370 something on Dish. 358 on Direct. Now, this uh, is Al Gore's network, yes, right? Yes, Al Gore is my boss. How many of your cameras run by wind power? <laughs> the one that I use directly, that, that main shot there, that's hand cranked. Hand -cranked. I've got to do that. In fact, I've got a little fellow nice. underneath the desk that I have to hit all the time. Do you, do you have editorial control? Yes, I do. Did you not have editorial control before? 
Yeah, I kind of did, but now yes, I do. Seriously, is this is this is this Keith Oberman a countdown with Keith Oberman 2.0? Were you in any way fettered at MSNBC that you will not be now? I think I think it was coming to that. I think it was eventually going to be like that. But I won't, I'm not going to say they, they, Why they cut me down. Why are you so hard to work with? <laughs> you are universally regarded as insane. <laughs> Why are you so difficult? You keep leaving places. To get better jobs. What's insane about that? And by the way, I've yes. had nine full-time employers in my career, yes. and three of them have rehired me later on in my career. That's how difficult I am to work with. They oh. brought me back. A third of them have brought me back. So well, that's, that that's impressive. That really is Thank impressive. You very much. So you're, you're one for three. That, that's <laughs> what, what, Where do you fall in the lineup of current TV? Uh, uh, well, at this point, we, as we move towards being all news and information and, and, and opinion and commentary, I'm the, f the first show. And then there's going to be other shows that will be somewhat similar to mine in the future. So I turn on current TV and it's just going to be wall-to-wall -wall Keith Oberman? No, only three hours a day. Only three hours a right. day. And okay. And then at, at, uh, right after our show is, the, is our documentary series Vanguard, which is a superior program that's won a lot of awards, a lot of international programming, and no, and almost no uh, prison uh, documentaries. So it's uh, That is one thing that MSNBC is still going to have on you, because on a Friday night, there's nothing I like better than cracking open a cool one and watching 72 hours of brutal beatings and forced sodomy. Yes. Keith, thank you so much for coming on. Keith Olbermann, Countdown with Keith Olbermann starts Monday, June 20th on Current TV. Check it out. We'll be right back. Something that made you come back again And what could it lead you Back here where we need you Yeah, we tease him a lot Cause we got him on the spot Welcome back so obviously I recorded last week's podcast Before Anthony Weiner's big press conference Where he copped to the fact that The crotch shot was his. And in the intervening week and, you know, in the last few days, other shots have emerged. You know, Anthony Weiner's pretty remarkably foxy chest for a man his age, uh, and other crotch shots, and of course, the full frontal uh, Anthony Weiner's hard cockpit. And in this time, you know, everyone's kind of lost their minds for having another American sex scandal kerfuffle. We're really good at them. And I have to say, that I watched the press conference last Monday, and I'm a I'm, I'm a lefty. I'm, I'm a liberal. Uh, I believe in a free press. I you know I hate Sarah Palin all her lamestream media comments. But if I had had the power during Anthony Weiner's press conference to send hate rays back through the television set that would have ended the lives of every reporter in the room, I would have done it. The hypocrisy, the fucking know nothing, scolding bullshit, sex negative idiotic 
bullshit. I can't even think of another word. On display in that meeting. Oh, you must have a problem, Anthony Weiner. A drinking problem. Are you going to seek addiction counseling? My head was about to explode. Anthony Weiner is guilty of doing what tens of millions of other Americans do every day, but they don't have the right wing and Andrew Breitbart on their asses scouring the web and their Twitter accounts and everything else looking for evidence of what? Of what? What did Anthony Weiner do? He flirted online with some folks. Nobody complained. None of these women that he engaged in these dirty chats with and swap photos with have none of them complained they didn't step forward saying i was you know my eyes were brutally assaulted by the sight of anthony weiner's undeclad schlong no they were dragged into the public square by the right wing hate machine that had it in for anthony weiner because he was such a good spokesperson for left wing causes for the left for the democrats and they had it in for him. And now they're all calling for his resignation, as are some Democrats who I'd also like to joke, calling for his resignation. Some of the very same Democrats, Tim Kaine, I'm talking to you, who defended Bill Clinton, who blew a load on an intern in the Oval Office and then lied under oath about it. And we all said, all oh, we lefties and all we Democrats at that moment, we said he lied about something that any man has a right and a responsibility to lie about. He was asked questions that no one should be asked, the president was Clinton at the time, and that when those kinds of questions are asked, you have a right to lie. Well, Wiener asked questions about something that he had a right to lie about, just the same as Bill Clinton had a right to lie about blowing a load consensually on Monica Lewinsky in the Oval Office. So I'm a little uh, annoyed with hypocritical Democrats and also lying sack of shit, shit-eating, shit-fucking Republicans. David Vitter is a U.S. Senator, David Vitter, Vitter the shitter, caught up in the D.C. Madam prostitution scandal. David Vitter was breaking the law. David Vitter was employing prostitutes. David Vitter made phone calls to the D.C. Madam from the floor of the U.S. Congress during sessions to arrange for illegal sex for hire, Trista. I think it should be legal. I said when the Vitter scandal broke, I don't think he should resign. I don't think what he did should be illegal, and I don't think he should resign, and he hasn't, but Republicans are calling on Wiener to resign because of you know bringing disgrace on the House. Well, and there's squat David Vitter, reelected again on a family values platform in the U.S. Senate, and they're not calling on him to resign. But again, I want to get back to the media. I want to get back to these questions in this press conference. Does he have a problem my favorite question was this. Why would you do this after you were married? That was put to Anthony Weiner during his press conference where he's copying to those dick shots being his. Because Lord knows nobody goes online and flirts or masturbates, looks at downloads porn, or creates through the interactiveness of the web their own porn moments. No married person does that. The inter the World Wide Web is just as jack offathon for single people. You know what? Members of Congress, like members of the press, get horny sometimes, and sometimes male members of Congress, like male members of the press, think with their dicks. And sometimes married men rub one out with an assist from the World Wide Web. 
My media colleagues film at fucking 11. Wiener was horny and went online and flirted and beat it a few times. He created his own porn, like millions of other Americans have done and will continue to do every damn day, forever. And the internet provided Wiener, the married man, with the same thing it provides for tens of millions of other men in monogamous relationships. A little release, a little fodder. And, you know, all this shit about, oh, he's married in this monogamous relationship. He didn't touch any of these women. And I believe that for a lot of married men, the internet, internet porn, even the interactivity of some of these sites, they don't threaten their monogamous commitment. They make it possible that by providing a little of the variety and sexual adventure that men and women are both hardwired to want and seek in a safe way. Because you can interact with somebody, you can get off, you can get horny, you can reach out, you can feel affirmed as a sexual being without ever being in the same room with anyone else. Another reporter asked Wiener if he had a drinking problem or was using drugs at the time because, you know, only a man who was drunk or on drugs could get caught up in something like this. Do reporters know what men are like and lots of women too? This desire to pathologize behavior that isn't sick. That is, you know, really common and human and completely and instantly understandable. That itself is pathological. Wiener does not have a problem. Wiener has a computer. It is the same problem that all Americans these days have. We have computers. And sometimes we make fools of ourselves on them. And think. Think of your own life. Think of the shit you've done online. If it was dragged out into the public eye as this has been dragged out in the public eye. Would your relationship survive? Would your professional life survive? No. Everyone's talking about what Wiener did. You know what? Something was done to Wiener and his family and his wife. And now I want to talk about his wife for just a second. Came out that she's pregnant after this all broke and that Joan Walsh at Salon says, oh, now he must resign because his wife is pregnant. It's gone too far. It's too humiliating. It's fine to humiliate a married, non-pregnant woman, but to humiliate a married, pregnant woman, then you're humiliating for two and you got to go. I don't get it. I don't get why, Joan, the pregnancy tips this over into Wiener must resign territory. If I were pregnant and Wiener were my husband, I would prefer that he still have a fucking job next week. I would rather like get through this pregnant and everything with my husband being employed. And you know who's not being taken into consideration when we're debating about whether Wiener should resign? The people of New York, who've been polled. 50%, 51%, a majority, think he should not resign. 30% think he should resign. And I realize I'm shouting now. I, I just get upset when I see everyone pretend to not know what they do know about human sexuality and the way it works and this sort of willful obtuseness on the part of the media that plays into American sex phobia and hypocrisy about sex, this posturing. But I'll just end with this poll. You know, a majority of Wiener's constituents do not want him to resign. And here's what the pollsters, here's the analysis that they run with at ABC News about this. It's worth keeping in mind that New York is overwhelmingly democratic. Partisanship can run high in this town. Moral outrage, maybe less so, said ABC News pollster Gary Langer of Langer Research Associates. Yes, yes, let's all keep in mind the delicate sensibilities of people who don't live in New York City, of people who are not Wiener's constituents, of people who are prone to partisanship, these people who live in New York, as opposed to, you know, all those fair-minded folks who live out there in real America with Sarah Palin. They're not prone to partisanship. 
let's keep in mind as we figure out whether Wiener should resign that his constituents who do not want him to resign are not jumping on the moral outrage bandwagon with shit-eating Republicans and hypocritical Democrats. Let's keep that in mind, shall we? But there's just one more thing I got to say. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going on forever here. There's just one more thing I got to say. You know, everyone is talking now about Wiener. Like, he's a congressman, and he had to know that this could happen, that these pictures could surface and be made public, and that was reckless, and it displayed a kind of bad judgment that, you know, we can't have uh, in Congress. We wouldn't want bad judgment in Congress. Not now. Not after 200-plus years of a bad judgment-free Congress. And I just got to point out that maybe now sitting Congress critters and senators are having to make the decision about whether to take a picture of their junk and put it online and, and you know, the considerable risks that that represents. But Congresses 20 years from now are going to be solely comprised of people 30 years from now who have already taken pictures of their junk and put them online. Every teenager in America is online, is flirting, dating, putting up internet profiles, looking for love, uh, is sending pictures of their junk, sexting. So soon we will have a Congress that is entirely Anthony Wieners. And what are we going to do then? Are we really saying that the only people who are fit to serve in the U.S. Congress are people who have never gone online and done anything inappropriate? Because what we're asking for then is really to be ruled by the Amish because they're the only ones who aren't going to have an internet history that could potentially embarrass them come adulthood. Ugh. from Hawaii here. Does it bother anyone else that we hear from early morning to dusk about the Ryan budget, but not a word about the Progressive Caucus budget? This is a call to action to all progressives. Number one, Jay, you must do a show on this topic if you can find enough material. Number two, I'm asking every progressive to call at least one radio or TV talk program and ask them to do a show on the people's budget. I think especially NPR programs should be contacted. They are influential, but right now they're complicit in, in pushing the austerity program, probably because they don't have any alternative information. Some of us might even want to call the NPR ombudsman and ask why this budget is being ignored and marginalized. The president cannot face down the Ryan budget alone. We need to get off our butts and make sure that our fellow citizens know there is an alternative. This is an emergency. Thank you. Let's do it. Hey, Jay, it's Carl in Jersey. I just wanted to make a comment on the voicemail that was left by Chuck in Salt Lake City on your show on June 14th, uh, arguing that there is an ethical way to eat meat, and quite frankly, there is no ethical way to eat meat. The fact of the matter is that choosing to eat meat is choosing one sentient being over another every single time. And you can choose to ignore this fact. You can choose to 
uh, not care. <laughs> you can choose to argue moral equivalence. You can choose to do a lot of things, but you cannot say that it's ethical because it's a sentient life for a sentient life every time, and there's nothing ethical about that. So thanks a lot for everything you do, Jay, and talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hey, Jay, this is Fred. I'm calling to talk about the uh, combat medic who called in a couple of shows ago. I remember you were asking for some responses on those voicemails. And, uh, you know, what I think about that is, you know, I'm pretty familiar with the way things are, like military culture. And uh, basically what he said is how a lot of people feel. You know, in the military, there were some people who are like some, maybe people in the military who celebrated and jumped around and stuff. But a lot of soldiers were not that happy because they're the ones in Afghanistan, they're the ones in Iraq, and there really wasn't a reason to celebrate because a lot of their friends have died, a lot of their friends are overseas, and they might be going back overseas. So even though Bin Laden got killed, it really didn't mean the end of the war for them, and that's, um, that's what they care about the most. And one last thing about Bin Laden's death is when it happened, I was actually happy, and I celebrated because um, when I was uh, when it happened, I was real young, so I grew up uh, in the, I guess you can call the war on terror age or whatever. But the more I look back on it, there really wasn't a point in celebrating because a lot of people could argue that we still lost the war on terror. We still lost a lot of things because of Bin Laden, and for the most part, his legacy is still here. We lost trillions of dollars in two wars, thousands of troops, hundreds of thousands of. Uh, Innocent civilians have died. Um, our image has been messed up around the world. People get felt up at the airport. We live in fear. We discriminate against our own people. The Patriot Act, the list goes on of Bin Laden's legacy that continues to hurt America today. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe one or 200 years from now, people look at Bin Laden as someone who started the beginning of the end of, uh, of America being uh, a superpower but I guess that's all to be uh, looked at in the history of books. But I just wanted to comment on that and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. Now, speaking of the voicemail line, uh, if you've been sticking around to the very ends of the show, you have heard a kind of continuing conversation about citizen radio. Um, I, this is similar to what I did when uh, there was a big discussion, ongoing discussion among voicemailers about the um, Bin Laden being killed. You know, it was a very interesting topic, obviously. Lots of people had lots to say about it. And uh, although there, there were too many voicemails to fit into, you know, what I like to think of as the regular format of the show and like a couple of minutes of voicemails, a couple of minutes of me, that sort of thing, uh, I was sticking them at the end trying to get them all in. And, um, and so the same thing has happened with Citizen Radio. People just will not shut up about it, um, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and so there's a probably really, really small percentage of people who want to keep talking about it and a very large percentage of people who are sick to death of hearing about it. So um, now that it is becoming apparent that those voicemails will never, ever stop because people will always say something that makes somebody else think that they need to call in and comment about it, uh, I'm, going to, I, I, I'm going to, I think for the first time, uh, not play um, you know, a, a whole bunch of voicemails that have come in on this topic and um, 
but what I am going to do, because I don't want to, you know, completely silence anyone. I don't, I don't want anyone to feel like I, you know, want to, um, you know, not let their opinions get out. Uh, for those who are interested, I'm going to post links to all of the voicemails that come in on the Citizen Radio conversation to the show notes of this episode. And if any more come in in the future, I'll post them in the show notes of future episodes. I'm just not going to play them in the show because yeah, it, it'll never end. So uh, I think that's reasonable. I think it's the best uh, idea I can come up with to um, <laughs> to get the show back to normality and um, let everyone get on with their lives. Now, from my world, I'm coming to you still from Minneapolis, where Netroots Nation was held. The event is over. I'm still here waiting for my train uh, to get me back to Chicago. And it's just been an incredible whirlwind of a weekend. Uh, completely amazing. Um, it was great to see all the people who I you know, communicate regularly with, either by email or phone, and, um, you know, and, and meeting an enormous number of people who I uh, never had contact with before. Uh, so all sorts of you know connections were made, ideas were hatched, plans were laid, and uh, and so you know so it was great. I, I have high hopes for the coming year based on uh, based on some things that I hope to do and and hope to do in partnership with others, which leads me right into thanking the volunteers who helped the show. And I just want to clarify, you know, I, th- this show. I mean, it takes a lot of work to to bring together all the clips and, uh, and, you know, to do everything on the back end that makes the show possible. But what the volunteers really do at, at a fundamental level is allow me to continue to make the show better. You know, the, the fact that I could come to this conference and, uh, and not have to be constantly listening to material because I have volunteers who help me gather it and, you know, not all, but, um, but a lot of the content is gathered by volunteers. And, um, you know, the fact that, I have volunteers who you know send me the clips directly and and help organize my uh, my life allows me to you know do other you know you know bigger and better uh, <laughs> things uh, instead of getting bogged down in the, in the less glamorous work. So uh, so volunteers like Mike, Colette, Todd, Joe, Laura, and especially Lauren, um, they're they're doing an amazing job. And uh, and I really hope that the fruits of their labor labor will pay off in big ways that will become evident, you know, in in the ne- in the coming you know months or you know many months as um, as plans that I have can kind of start to be implemented because I actually have the time to do it thanks to them. So um, you know, and by the way, if you have interest in volunteering for the show, check out uh, the volunteer page, which is linked up at bestoftheleft.com. Details are there. And, um, you know, I just couldn't appreciate their work any more than I uh, already do. And then uh, members, of course, keep the show going in a uh, very concrete way with their financial support. So I want to thank Clara H., who signed up for a socialist yearly membership uh, back just on March 19th. And Lee M., who signed up uh, for a leftist yearly membership back on February 10th. So huge thanks to uh, Clara and Lee, who both signed up uh, for yearly memberships, as I said, uh, which is Awesome it means they have faith in the show that it'll you know still be here a year from now and that they want to support it for a full, full year. Um, so that was you know excellent of them. Of course, everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it. You can spread the word by joining up with us online on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all of the sources and music used in this and every episode, as well as the links to the Citizen Radio voicemails. 
All that is found in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast coming to you 11 times a month, thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. Thought and black and white You took a part of picture that wasn't right Pitch burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you want to be A dying man in a living room Who shadow bases the floor Who take you out in the open door This is not my life It's just a fond farewell to a friend